Hello and welcome to the Sky U Podcast by the Daily Gopher. I'm Chris, go a Fur. With me this week is Andy, GopherGuy05. Hello. And you Street. Hey y'all. Alright, uh, quick poll question. Uh, I'm going to start with Andy on this one. Uh, given that the Olympics are underway, who is more corrupt, FIFA or the International Olympic Committee? Um, I mean, would you rather have Winter Olympics in a place that usually isn't winter, or would you rather play soccer in the middle of a desert? In uh, summer, originally. Yeah, so I mean, both? Uh, I, I, suppose, I suppose we can pick FIFA because the IOC isn't quite corrupt enough that we're doing this in Kazakhstan during a uh, during a pseudo coup attempt. So you know, as bad as China is, at least they pretend to know how to host the Olympics. So I'll, I'll go FIFA on this, I guess. On the other hand, the reason there's not a coup attempt in China right now is they violently put down all dissent on a regular basis. Just saying. Uh, moving away from geopolitics, I'm just going to point out that when there is a ski event and the background for that ski event is, you know, nuclear cooling towers. I, I have to, I have to interject here. It is not the case. I think that that plant is actually a nuclear power plant because it is possible that those cooling towers exist for non nuclear power stations. This is, is, I'm aware, pedantic as all get Usually, Usually, at least in the United States, that's because they built the cooling tower for nuclear, and then Three Mile Island happened, and so they canned the the nuclear plans. Yeah, I don't, admittedly, as as everyone who's on this podcast can attest to, and to our listeners, I didn't realize the Olympics were happening. And so, was informed (laughs) a couple of days ago the Olympics were happening. So I, I'm not going to say that I, I know more more about this, just that it is, in fact, possible that that is a regular sort of power plant and that doesn't necessarily make it. I think, I it's think my awesome, favorite tweet related to that was, was that somebody came out and just said, well, they're clearly hold, hosting this uh, event to the Olympics in a Godzilla, uh, a set of a Godzilla movie. I'm going to be honest, I think we should have more of that. Part of the problem with the Olympics, much like the problem with with the world cup is that there's all of this new construction that's built for no actual purpose. It has no secondary use value. If I look at that ski run and I think maybe another left for dead game, I need a model. Boom. (laughs) The Olympics now inspiring your post-apocalyptic video game needs. Look, I, all I'm saying is that crisis three could do worse than whatever is happening with those various shots. I think the other bit, too, is that they're inspiring a lot of beneficial Photoshop, or at least I'd like to imagine this. I'm not regularly on the social medias anymore. But that just seems like you could put the Teletubby sun somewhere in there (laughs) if you wanted. You could put, you know, crying Jordan coming out of the stack. I'm led to believe there was some controversy that involves something about, like, suit weight. I know this has nothing to do with the University of Minnesota. I missed that entirely. But I, again, I found this bizarre. Yes. That would be the uh, the ski jumpers. Uh, Apparently, five female ski jumpers were disqualified from the team event uh, because they're 
thought to have illegal suits, several of which complaining that they were the exact same suits in the women's event that happened a few days ago before. But uh, what, what you may not know, and this goes back to fun uh, sports organizations that have ridiculous rules, is apparently uh, the International Ski Jumping Whatever Federation, blah, 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 blah has like insane restrictions on exactly what you can and can't wear because apparently the the suits were thought to be slightly too big which apparently can you know kind of give them like wing suits flying through the air and give them a little extra glide or something like that but apparently they like classified down to like the type and size of underwear you're required to wear during competition so um they're they're a little anal uh, about exactly uh making sure the field is is even Every and, um, ski jumper should be required to wear a mascot costume. I mean, the the furry ones are going to have that air resistance, so it's just not going to be fair. If somebody's yeah, wearing like a Spider-Man saying... costume and somebody's wearing like, you know, a big cat costume, there's going to be a difference. It's not going to be fair. Have you ever turned on television and think like somehow you were accidentally dosed with LSD? That's how I feel every time a mass Singer commercial comes on. That was actually going to be my next statement was, so what you're asking for is we need to have the masked singer only for ski jumpers. Yeah, I actually think all Olympic events would be drastically improved if everyone I mean, had I to mean, wear let's a mask be, Let's costume. be honest, you're going you're gonna to assume that that doesn't exist somewhere in Japan television. Yeah, I think I would be watching the Olympics if I was being told that Big Bird or some equivalent was... Going down the ski jump. Snuffleupagus, but on the skeleton. Yeah, uh, un- unquestionably. <laughs> I would watch that. I am told that a, a tiny human from Russia spun a lot. And I know I'm making that sound substantially less cool than I think it actually is. Because I'm pretty sure it's very cool. But you cannot tell me that that would not be even cooler if they were in an Oscar the Grouch costume. Uh, uh, in other news, biathlon remains the most underrated and best of the Olympic sports in the winter. Uh, the U.S. is not winning medals, seemingly. And women's hockey lost to Canada 4-2, which means ultimately nothing uh, because they're still probably the two teams that are going to face off in the gold medal game. I'm not anything, anything I'm missing from the Olympics. Yeah, no, I mean the 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 U.S. women's uh, basically. If you're looking for for gopher related content, which we are in theory a, a gopher related podcast, we're gonna get so there. We're I, gonna. I, mean, I suppose get we there. should link it a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean the the members of the uh, current and former members of the uh, the gopher women's hockey team have uh, played well for the U.S. women's hockey team. Uh, three, they went three and one in pool play. Uh, Amanda Kessel leads the team with I think six points. Um, Danny Camarizzi has a goal. Uh, Grace Zumwinkle has a goal. Um, you know, several assists for for uh, Lee Steckline, Hannah Brandt, things like that. So that's that's good. Um, yeah, they did lose to Canada. Uh, again, no big deal. Basically, it means that Canada's the the number one seed in the quarterfinals. The U.S. is the number two seed, which honestly will only play out is that Canada will end up being the quote unquote home team for the gold medal match. Um, U.S. plays what formerly was known as the Czech Republic. Now, apparently, they want to be called Czechia um, 
in the quarterfinals at uh, 10 o'clock p.m. Central Time Thursday night. Uh, they'll win that one easily and then end up playing the winner of Finland and Japan, which should be Finland. Uh, the U.S. already beat Finland in the in the opener uh, 5-2. So basically, barring the entire U.S. team coming down with COVID in the next six days, it should be uh, USA versus Canada here in a week for the gold medal. Uh, men, the U.S. men start their action uh, 7 a.m. Thursday morning against China. Um, and then women's curling here gets started here uh, with a pair of, uh, not athletes, but a pair of Gopher alums, the Peterson sisters. Uh, they get going here in uh, in a couple of days as well. So uh, we'll have more more updates on the uh, the Gophers at the Olympics as, as everybody actually sees action by the time we record this podcast next week, other than just the women's hockey team. But uh, that's what we got so far. Well, keeping it with women's hockey, I mean, I think a, a quick but wonderful assessment of the weekend is uh, if the Gopher women finish the next two series, the last two series of the WCHA season as expected, thanks to their sweep over Bemidji State, the toughest of the remaining opponents, we're looking at a WCHA title for the Gophers is, is really how it feels right now. Yeah, you know, they are they are definitely in the uh, driver's seat right now. Uh, uh, sweep over Bemidji State, as we said, 7-0 and 5-2 last week at home. Um, they sit in first place. They are number one in the pairwise, number one in the WCHA, and they have uh, just sixth place St. Cloud State a home-and-home and, home and seventh place St. Thomas a home-and-home home left in the regular season. So Minnesota should, in theory, be able to easily finish with uh, a 4-0 record, and that should be enough to, uh, to get the Gophers the title. I do believe there is some way in the weird, unbalanced schedule that if Ohio State wins out, uh, they may technically have a better points percentage than the Gophers um, because they'll be playing one less game and will have a few more points. Um, but they end the season uh, not next weekend, but the weekend after at home in Columbus against Wisconsin. Um, so I would expect the Badgers to give the Buckeyes a, a, a fairly good uh, trip on that and, and not necessarily let... Uh, Ohio State uh, run away with all six points. But either way, the Gophers sit in the uh, driver's seat right now, and uh, they should be in, in pretty good shape going forward to uh, to have the number one seed going into the uh, WCHA tournament. Um, and, you know, basically it's it's going to be the, the top four teams of the WCHA are going to be the top four teams in the nation, especially when we get to the NCAA tournament. So everybody's going to be sitting pretty, but uh, good news for, for the Gophers going forward. Did anything really shift for the men? I mean, because at this point they really need to start seeing Michigan and Ohio State start losing. And I, I'll be honest, I paid no attention to what happened with Michigan and Ohio State. Like, are we seeing any uh, – uh, movement that's necessary for the Gophers to start, you know, improving their place for, if anything else, just seeding purposes for the Big Ten tournament? Well, we're working on it. Um, uh, Wisconsin did take Ohio State to overtime one game, so they did clip one point from the Buckeyes last week. So the uh, Michigan was off, so now Ohio State is the team that has uh, basically two games in hand on both the Gophers and the Wolverines. Um 
which will be interesting to see is obviously both Minnesota and, and Michigan are, are missing some Olympians here for the next couple of weeks. Minnesota got a, a much needed sweep over Michigan state. As we said, uh, Ohio state got five or six points from the, uh, from the Badgers. Uh, they currently lead the big 10 with 43 points, uh, five point lead over Michigan and a six point lead over the Gophers. Uh, Minnesota heads to Columbus this weekend. So there's your there's what needs to happen is Minnesota needs to go into Columbus this weekend and, and at bare minimum take a majority of the points. And if they can take a sweep, all of a sudden it's going to be a dogfight the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, uh, what will happen? We'll see. Uh, the Buckeyes are 12-1-1 and since uh, splitting with the Gophers back in November in Minneapolis. So, Andy, what I'm hearing from you is we probably shouldn't expect Minnesota to sweep uh, Ohio State on the road. Yeah, I mean, it would be it would be an aberration. Obviously, the Gophers got the sweep against Michigan State last week, but they have only really swept the Spartans this season. Other than their two sweeps against Michigan State, they've split every single series going back to uh, the Notre Dame series at the end of October. So uh, a split... Uh, yeah, a split would be much more likely uh, since they're not playing Michigan State this week. Um, but, you know, the, the potential is there. Justin Close has been playing well in net. Uh, the Gophers did get some scoring last week that didn't involve uh, the nine lines, although it took a little bit of struggling through the first couple of periods to get there. Um, so they just need to continue to get some, some playing from uh, from some of their depth and, and finding a way to put the puck in the net. Uh it's possible, but yeah, it will be uh, it will be an effort for the Gophers to go in Columbus and, and do what they need to do. I have one word for you: stickers. You need stickers from Homefield Apparel. I have recently purchased uh, basically their entire supply, or at least their entire line of stickers. There's a fantastic Tulane Green Wave. They now have a Slippery Rock University. Rocky the Rock in some sort of fur coat with a pennant. Go to homefieldapparel.com to check it out. You're going to love these stickers. And, of course, there's all the comfortable, fantastic apparel. Homefieldapparel.com is the place to go. Make sure to use code DAILYGOPHER at checkout for 15% off your first order. That's homefieldapparel.com, code DAILYGOPHER. Normally, I'd probably transition to basketball, but I'm feeling uh, I'm feeling a little random tonight, and so I'm going to kick it to Street with a question he is not expecting. Street, what is your favorite Sesame Street character? Uh, an excellent question. Probably Mr. Hooper. Just getting real dark up in here. No, uh, pra- practically speaking, I I imagine uh, sort of Big Bird. However. Sesame Street, you may not be aware of this, Sesame Street has a long history of international programming. And it's one of the the main exports coming out of the Children's Workshop. There are Sesame Street shows in many different countries in the world. And I want to be clear that I was unprepared for this question. And so you're welcome for asking this. So I'm not going to say what my favorite Sesame Street character is. I'm instead going to say my favorite Sesame Street story, which might be slightly apocryphal. But I think is I think is accurate, which concerned uh, when Sesame Street as a show came to uh, Israel, and so in the show 
there is a it's a it's a combined so the production staff is sort of half Israeli half Palestinian uh, and and so they're making all these combination decisions together and so they're going to have a storyline for which one child is going to plant a flower so that's the that's the idea and so the first thing was the child was just going to plant the flower in the ground sort of like, you know in the soil or whatever and the Palestinians objected to this on the grounds that that would be symbolic of the Palestinians giving up their right of return. So can't do that. Then the thought was, well, the child will instead plant it in some kind of like paint can, that sort of thing. The Israelis objected to this on the grounds, well, two full grounds, but basically like this could imply a bomb and or a child may pick up some degree that could itself be a bomb. And that, so there's a security problem in doing that. So that was the second thing. So they agree on clear plastic bottle, going to put the flower in the clear plastic bottle, and then only then did they realize, oh, we need to figure out what the child is going to do because they have to cut the bottle and that could be injurious to the child. So finally the decision is made that the mom of the child will cut the bottle with scissors so they can plant a flower. So I think that's my favorite Sesame Street character, that clear plastic bottle. <laughs> I was just going to, you know, deride you for not choosing Rocco the Rock as your favorite character. That evil rock that Elmo hates. I didn't realize we were going to get into a whole two-state solution discussion a la How do we even continue the podcast after that? How is that not just our exit? (laughs) This is the problem, man. You try and surprise me with stuff, and it turns out I have... A, a nearly encyclopedic some very, some knowledge of potentially of potentially not real Sesame Street facts. <laughs> All right, from with from that, I'm going to make you go to basketball. Well, much um, much in the same way that you haven't watched the Israeli version of Sesame Street, I don't really think anyone had much interest watching Minnesota play Iowa. Or, for that matter, watching uh, the men's team play Nebraska. We're recording this on Tuesday. So watching the men's team play Nebraska on, on Wednesday. The Gopher men performed quite poorly in the second half against Iowa. In particular, Jameson Battle had his worst game of the season, uh, which is the, the kind of, I would say, the main takeaway beyond the takeaway that I say every time, which is that Minnesota is less talented than a lot of the teams they play. But... You can't have your main score go something like 1 for 13 from the field, on the road, and expect to win any game, much less against a reasonably decent Big Ten opponent. Is This is where I spur controversy by saying Eric Musselson in Arkansas just upset number one Auburn and could have had him. They, you know, could, could (laughs) have, I will be honest. I'm very happy to have Ben Johnson as the current basketball coach, given that I am fairly certain that Eric Musselman's recruiting practices probably not, would not have survived up until name, image, and likeness. If you catch my drift. Uh, I'll also simply say that I'm glad, uh, while, while I was giving, uh, Andy crap there that. Ben Johnson is having a scrappy ass first season because if this was the kind of season we kind of thought we were going to get, there would be far too many troll takes about Eric Musselman and why don't we have him as opposed to just, you know, not. 
Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. The recruiting seems to seems to be continually positive. I would say certainly next year, and of course, in addition to what you're going to try and bring in from the high school, there's going to be the transferring and the transfer window at the end of the season. And I think Ben Johnson should have at least shown quite a few transfers that they can come in and be quite successful. And so that might be positive for the transfer window. Minnesota is going to take on Nebraska. And frankly, one of the few times this season where I will say this, they should win by like yeah, it 10. it really shouldn't be a question because Fred Hoiberg's Nebraska team is now still completely winless in the Big Ten? That is correct. They have not won a Big Ten game. They are, I think, 6-17 and 17 or something overall in the season. They are a very bad basketball team. And I'm sure I could give you, if I wanted to, pull up some stats and talk about that, but you don't need to know that. They're a very bad basketball team. Playing a team in Minnesota who is not a good basketball team, but definitely nowhere near that bad of a basketball team. So the Govers will hopefully rebound and uh, pick up a win against Nebraska. This, by the way, for, for those keeping track at home, our avid podcast listeners, I don't know if we have names for, for our fans. We probably should come up with that at some point. But if you are an avid listener, you recall when I was giving the preseason that I couldn't find very many wins on the schedule. This was one of them. Yeah, and I think Nebraska's even worse than like anticipated since then. <laughs> Yeah, well, they've, they've had some. I think they've possible. had some injuries too. So, like, they're. I think one of their very good players is in some way out for the season. I cannot remember exactly why, but that is that has led to another problem. So that's on the men's side. On the women's side, the women are currently uh, since the transfer of Jazz Powell riding a winning streak here. They knocked off a not great, but certainly not bad Michigan State team. Uh, behind a, a great performance again from from Sarah Scalia, but also a really solid performance from uh, Lexia Smith and some other players on the team who don't play, uh, haven't this season, I should say, and haven't played as impressively as perhaps we would hoped. They're still in a situation where the only possible way that Minnesota makes it into the NCAA tournament is by winning the Big Ten tournament. But it is nice to see a team that, at least on paper, should have more wins and be playing better than they actually are, pick up some wins when they are unexpected. So that's positive. The uh, The women do go to uh, Wednesday night, do go to Iowa City as uh, looking for retribution after the Iowa Hawkeyes beat them by uh, 56 two weeks ago at Williams Arena. Uh, I'll just set the over-under of Caitlin Clark points right now at uh, 43. And I would take the over on that because Caitlin Clark is very good. Though I would take the under on the point margin. Though I think, Andy, I hope this isn't presumptuous. I think both you and I do not expect the University of Minnesota to come back from Carver Hawkeye Arena victorious. Uh, no, I think uh, if, if the Gophers can keep it a 20-point game, that that would be better. But uh, if you haven't, Caitlin Clark, as we, we've brought her up several times on the podcast, uh, if you haven't, look and try and find the highlights of the uh, Iowa-Michigan women's basketball game from, I think that was Sunday night, uh, where yeah. Caitlin, Caitlin Clark was hitting three-pointers with ease from beyond Steph Curry range, like literally dribbling down and pulling up from 35 feet like it was a three-foot jump shot and nailing them. Uh, she good. Yeah, I think retribution here is just keeping it inside of 30, well, well, is what I'll say. Um, well, okay, well, I'm going to set Andy up for a, uh, a, a kind of a quick-fire exit to the podcast. 
Uh, gymnastics is still good, uh, and he can tell us why. Uh, the tennis team, I believe, is undefeated, and I'm sure he can give me exactly how long it's been since they've reached where they're at. And I believe softball starts Friday. So, Andy, go. Yeah, the uh, Gopher gym, women's gymnastics team, after getting a week off uh, due to COVID, uh, they got back into action at Illinois on Sunday and, and uh, pulled out a, a, a fairly easy win. Illinois is not very good. The Gophers did have uh, some interesting uh, you know, people playing, uh, placing in events that uh, did see uh, Maya Hooten, the uh, the star on the floor for Gopher, the Gophers. Um, she did not compete in floor uh, against Illinois on Sunday. Uh, in fact, she looked like she may have uh, tweaked an injury on the uh, bars um, after after slipping off of the, the parallel bars, uh, or the uneven bars, excuse me. Um, and she did not compete in floor, but they may have also just been holding her off because uh, they knew they would easily get to a, a win over Illinois. <clears throat> Uh, they're back at the PAV Saturday afternoon, 4 o'clock, when they host Ohio State. And then they get a quick turnaround. Uh, you usually don't see this in gymnastics because normally they, uh, you know, gymnastics is brutal enough on the bodies that they like to give a little bit of time off. But they are uh, turning turning around uh, and making up their uh, postponed uh, meet at Maryland last weekend, uh, Monday night or Monday afternoon, Valentine's Day, 2 o'clock start out in College Park. So, uh Host Ohio State Saturday, catch a flight probably Saturday night or Sunday morning to uh, to Maryland and compete at Maryland on Monday. So uh, that will be a trip. Uh, you know, as I said, the Gophers have the the horses to to beat both those teams. Lexi Ramler, another all around win last week. Um, so good for them. She's uh, what? She's fifth ranked in the all around now. I believe fifth ranked in the country. Yeah, she she won the all around. It wasn't her best week last week. She uh, she scored a nine nine seven five on the beam, which is you know her best event by far. Uh, she didn't have as good a performance on on a couple of the other things, but uh, again, she did enough to win the all around again. So um, she's just that good uh as you said women's tennis team uh we haven't talked about them at all haven't given them much attention on the blog probably should should start figuring that one out they are nine and oh here in their uh spring season their best start in over 25 years um granted they've they've beaten up on on teams that aren't exactly known for their tennis prowess including drake and south dakota and st thomas and but they've won their last five matches uh with 7-0 sweeps against marquette south dakota st thomas north dakota northern iowa so that's still impressive that they're getting wins from everybody involved uh they get i would guess probably their their toughest test in the uh in the spring so far, they head out to uh, Salt Lake City. They play Washington State Saturday afternoon before playing the host Utah Utes on Sunday. So a little uh, Big Ten, Pac-12 crossover action here uh, on the tennis courts. And then softball, as we said, uh, the Gophers open up their 2022 season this weekend down at uh, Central Florida. Uh, they will play the CFX Classic five games Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, they get to play number 12 Georgia twice. Uh, then they play the host UCF on Friday afternoon, uh, and then games against Longwood and Fresno State. Um, it looks like the UCF game will uh, stream live on ESPN Plus. So if you're looking to uh, see the Gophers, that's 5:30 Friday afternoon on ESPN Plus. Um, you know, we'll see how they do against uh, Georgia, getting the getting 
Bulldogs twice. Uh, Minnesota, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, they don't quite have the same depth they've had this year. Actually, it, arguably they do on offense. They they return a lot of offensive prowess. It's going to be uh, in the circle where they where they have to figure out exactly what they've got. Um, you know, obviously Amber Pfizer has has graduated and moved on, so they're. Their starter, their star, who actually sort of blew up last year, is going to be Autumn Pease. She's back for her senior season. Uh, but then there's a question: Who's their number two pitcher is going to be? Uh, they're going to trot out a couple probably here in in the non-conference to see who exactly can take over that role. Uh, they've got Emily Levitt, who's a freshman from California. They've got Ansley Holifield, who's a sophomore from Georgia. Uh, both of them have a have a legitimate chance to be that number two pitcher for the Gophers, and and to compete in the Big Ten, they're going to need a, a number two pitcher. Uh, Michigan and Northwestern probably are the two favorites in the Big Ten. Minnesota coming in third, but if they can get a, a second strong, uh, you know, Big Ten caliber starting pitcher, uh, Minnesota should be again near the top of the Big Ten and should easily make the NCAA tournament. I just want to say that I think it would be it would behoove the University of Minnesota to get Big Bird to record a do the gopher i want you to do the gopher segment for a football game i'm just putting that out there i think that would go over well big bird is awesome uh and big bird should definitely record a do the gopher segment and that's literally how i'm going to end this uh, with that in everyone's mind that voice the little wiggle the whole thing you're welcome this has been a weird podcast. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm here for it, though. I'm here for it. Uh, probably a little less weirdness on the blog. Keep your eye out. Enjoy all the good stuff uh, that we, you know, will have out the rest of the week. Next week, who knows? I mean, could be more Sesame Street. It, it could be uh, what's your favorite dark comedy. Uh, or it could be sports. You, you never know here on the Sky U Podcast. Uh, in the meantime... Go Gophers. Skyuma, row the boat. Go Gophers, row the boat.